Welcome to the Constructionist Podcast, hosted by Caleb. Just as we grow gardens and build buildings, God is building you through the renewing of your mind. The sufficiency of the scriptures is paramount in your journey, and every week, Caleb will challenge you to make them a central part of your life and worldview. Join us now as we explore the world through the ancient lens of God's Word. Hello friends, it's the Constructions Podcast, and today is January 1st, and we're out for a walk, so you might hear water dropping off of trees or leaves crunching under my feet, because this is what is one of the nicest things about life, is going for a walk and talking about the things of God. I just read this morning that Enoch walked with God, and God took him, it says. It says that Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Now, if you jump ahead to Hebrews 11, it talks about Enoch and it quotes that Bible verse and it says that he pleased God in his walk. And this is something that Paul picks up on in the New Testament, is about walking with the Lord or your walk in Christ. We often talk about that kind of thing. It sort of is a way of describing your general character, your general, uh, you know, what are you characterized as? What's your general attitude and habit of life? Is it one where you are walking with the Lord and you are living out his character and his Um, will for your life. That's really what walking with the Lord ultimately is about. And another thing that really struck me about Enoch, and this phrase has been going around in my head a bit for the last several days, is Enoch had no Bible. You go back to Genesis chapter 5 and you read the genealogy of Noah from Adam to Noah. And right there, sort of in the middle of it somewhere, is this guy Enoch. Now, they didn't have an Old Testament. They didn't have a New Testament back in those days. But there was something that Enoch saw while he was walking with the Lord that so pleased the Lord, it says in Hebrews, that he just went to be with him. And it says, in Hebrews it says, he was not found. And in Genesis it just says, he was not because the Lord took him. And that phrase, he was not found, it reminds me of when Elijah went up to be with the Lord. And then people went searching for him. And Elisha said, there's no point in searching for Elijah. He's gone to be with the Lord. He's nowhere. You can't find him. And it, it's, also, it's a picture of the rapture. Yes, that is very much true. But for the here and now, the pre-rapture moment, the pre-going up moment, the pre-end of this life on earth moment is one that we should be walking in faith and we should be having a testimony or be characterized by one whom the Lord is pleased with. Are we reflecting him in our life? Today is January 1st. It's a whole new year. And already, you know, people out in Colorado have had their homes burned down from a fire. Uh, COVID news is going nuts that it's on the rise again, surges and things like that. And yet it's a new year, which is usually a time where we want to be reflective of the past and expectant for the future, that kind of thing. So let me just point out as we go forward into the unknown of 2022, that there is a character trait of God 
if you go back and listen to some of the other podcasts I've done in the last couple months that reflect on God's name, God's different names that he has, the name Yahweh and things like that. The Lord is my banner is another one. And so recently I was looking into this idea of the God who sees. So in Genesis, there's this account of Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. And remember, God made a promise to Abraham that he would give him a son or that he would have a son and that that would be through that descendant, the blessing would flow. God's blessing to Abraham, the Abrahamic blessing. So Sarah comes along and she says, look, we haven't got any kids uh, here. Take my handmaid, Hagar, and then raise and then fulfill the promise that God has for us through her. And so that's what Abraham does, and it was, a, it was a custom of that day that if you were married and your wife wasn't having any children, and having children was a big deal back in those days because a lot revolt, you know, was, was, uh, a lot of it had to do with inheritance rights and carrying on the name of the family and um, old age retirement, having your, your son or your children provide for you in your old age when you can't really work as much anymore. There was a lot tied up into having a child and having uh, this larger family unit under you to carry on uh, into the future. So there was some pressure there, pressure on Sarah to have this child, but it wasn't coming. There was no child coming. And so the, the tradition of the day, the custom of the day, uh, was to, if you got a handmaid, then you can hand her over to your husband as a kind of uh, second wife or however they viewed it. It actually says he be, she became his wife. Um, and then have children through them, and then the child ends up being the rightful heir because it's still the, the child of the patriarch, the head of the family, Abraham. So anyway, that's what happened. And when Sarah saw that Hagar had conceived and she was pregnant, she got all fussy, you know, mean about the whole thing. And uh, Hagar was sitting there going, well, I don't have to put up with this or, you know, I, this, is, this isn't what I signed up for or whatever. She, it probably wasn't what she thought. She probably, you know, already had a somewhat bad relationship with Sarah. Who knows? I sometimes think it, this uh, account reflects more on Sarah than it does on Hagar or, or even Abraham, that Sarah would be willing to do this kind of thing is a bit strange. Sometimes Sarah doesn't come out as a very nice person. But, um, but anyway, Hagar runs off. And she's, all, she's making her way back to Egypt, which is where she was born and, and raised. And maybe she had been purchased there as a slave or she had been kidnapped in some raid and sold off as a slave or something like that. Um, but however it happened, she ended up in, Sarah, in uh, Abraham and Sarah's household as a maidservant. And so... You know, slavery is still happening today. It's a really sad thing. You can read about Christians in Nigeria and the Sudan that get kidnapped by Muslims and sold into slavery, and particularly young girls. It's it's something that's gone on for millennia and millennia. So, uh, you know, this is the kind of thing that we need to be aware of and certainly pray against or support the, the persecuted church in countries where this kind of thing does happen. Uh, it's terribly sad. It's not not God's ideal at all. So anyway, um, the idea here is that Hagar made a run for it. She was going back to Egypt where she was familiar with the culture and language and that kind of thing. But on her way, 
she meets the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord talks to her and essentially gives her a prophecy of her son, Ishmael. And so the angel of the Lord says, yes, you're going to have a son. You're going to name him Ishmael, the God who hears is what Ishmael means, God who hears. And so, because Ish, that, that's what the Hebrew word here. here. Um, oh, sorry, not Ish, sorry. Uh, uh, Shema, Shema. Is, is Ishmael, the Shema is the here portion of that. So then she turns around and goes back, but not before she says and names this place uh, the well of the God who sees. He is Elohim Roy, the God who sees. So con contemplate this idea for a minute. If you're going to have a God who is worthy of the name or the title God, or I should say, the title God, when we say the word God, we cannot think of like Thor in the Marvel films or comics. Thor is God of Thunder. He's a pretty pathetic god. So you remember that very funny scene in one of those Avenger films where Loki says to the Hulk, I'm a god in my world. And Hulk grabs him and smashes him around the room for a minute and then walks off and says, puny god. You know, that is unfortunately how many of us have created God in our mind. We, we have puny gods. We have gods that are not able to be fully God in that total sense. Now, the New Testament and the Old Testament combined, obviously, uh, the whole of the Bible gives us a picture of a God who is worthy of the title God in every sense of it. He is both loving and just. He is kind yet firm because he disciplines. He is the God of eternity past and future. He is the creator God who not only made all things from nothing, but sustains all things. If he did not actively sustain the universe, it would cease to be. So we have to recognize that the Bible shows us a full picture of God, of what we as humans should understand God to be. Not a puny God, not a God that's limited because he's the God of the hills or the God of the trees or the God of the sea or something like that, as if he has no power on the land or in the plains or whatever the situation happens to be. He is God who sees. And he saw Hagar and he saw Hagar's child, and he saw the future of Hagar's child. He also saw Abraham and Sarah and their child together, who would be Isaac, who comes along a chapter or two later, and also his future as well and his descendants. So God sees all past and all future. Not only that, God sees internally as well. God sees into our soul and into our spirit. So not only is God's vision horizontal, it's also vertical and it's also infinitely deep, if I could put it that way. So you as an individual, think about yourself for a moment. You as an individual can see things objectively and subjectively. 
So subjectively, it's everything inside yourself. Every, every human on this planet is born with a subjective outlook on life. It's all about me, and the world should revolve around me, and I should be the one that is catered to all the time. That's all subjectivism. My way of seeing things is the right way of seeing things, and if you don't see things the way I see things, then there's something wrong with the way you see things. There's a lot of people out there that live and die on that principle. Yet, the Bible tells us, particularly in the New Testament, that we need to learn how to be objective. We need to look out for others. We need to be uh, looking to the Lord Jesus as the one who defines how we should view the world. So there's this amazing verse in Hebrews 4.12 that says that the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And then it says at the end that it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the word of God, take it in its broadest sense, this is the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. This is the word of God, the logos of God. So the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, and it discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. So your heart is that part of you that is like the centrality of your whole system. The, the centrality of your being is your heart. So your physical heart is the bit of you that pumps oxygen and nutrients to every other nook and cranny of your physical system, your whole body. If it wasn't for your heart, nothing could get anywhere, which is why when your heart stops and the blood stops, everything dies because you'd start lacking oxygen and nutrients to every little bit of your body, particularly oxygen. Now, there's a relationship there between uh, your heart and your lungs and your lungs, because they breathe in the air, take in air and shove that out to the blood system, which gets pumped on the heart. There's a whole thing there about prayer and about your spirit and about how you need to uh, uh, intake the, the spirit of God to give yourself life. But the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the heart kind of, not the lungs, but the heart is what is central, is the centrality of your being in the scriptures and in life. So we have phrases today in English like follow your heart and what does your heart tell you as if somehow there's this ethereal thing called heart that is supposed to be your guide and your uh, the, the, that which gives you direction in everything that you do and all you have to do is somehow trust it. What? Who says if it's right or wrong? <laughs> How do we know if it's not being uh, affected by your feelings or by your circumstances or by the fact that you didn't get enough sleep last night or that you drank too much coffee this morning or whatever the, whatever the situation is? So we have to have something outside of ourselves. There has to be something objectively true all the time in order for us to go to that and then make a right decision. So in the building world, I say this all the time uh, as an electrician, we have a set of plans. We have a general contractor. We have tape measures and lasers and ways of determining how to make what's on paper become a reality. 
And so this is what the Bible is all about. It is what is on paper through the word and the spirit, the living Jesus and the spirit moving through you as you conform to the standard of the word of God that then makes real God's person and presence here on the earth. You then magnify God through your body. You see how that works? So God is the God who sees. He penetrates down and gives you a understanding and a revelation of thoughts and intents of the heart. And he checks those by your conscience and by um, other believers around you and through prayer and by mentors and by all sorts of things. Uh, his own spirit that comes and just flat out convicts. These kind of things all work together in order for God to get you to a point where you say, it's no longer I, but Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. It's Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, Galatians 2.20. So that's ultimately what you're after in all of that. So Hagar was sitting there and not wanting to go back. And God sent her back to Sarah and Abraham. And so he said in the process of that, I hear you, Sarah. And she says, you're the God who has seen me, seen my circumstances, seen where I'm at, seen my past, seen my future. You apparently have all things under your watchful eye. And so, okay, I will go back and I will uh, submit myself to Sarah. And that's what she did. So now we are, here we are looking ahead at 2022. There were people who barely survived 2020 and then 2021 came around and the, the world is still, you know, COVIDing and weathering and environmentalisming and you know, supply chains are still strange and maybe there's still people who've lost jobs or lost loved ones or ended up ill or got vaccinated and now they're, they feel worse off or they're not vaccinated and then and they're, the things haven't changed much, whatever. I don't know what your circumstance is. It's anywhere and everywhere. But the thing is, is that God is the God who sees. It's not like he doesn't know. If you submit yourself like Hagar did, to God who sees, expand your understanding of who God is and make it fit the God of the Bible. If there's something inside you that revolts against what the Bible says about God, then you need to take it to God and wrestle it out with him. It says in Isaiah chapter one, God says, come, let us reason together. And so God wants to hear from us, from you, in order for you to wrestle through with these kind of things and he'll be gentle and firm and kind and stern and however he needs to be, but he will deal with you and point you ultimately to him where your fullest fullness can come from. So that is hopefully an encouragement to you for this new year, uh, kicking off 2022. I hope it's a much better year. I, myself, will probably set a reminder as soon as I'm done recording this podcast to re-listen to it in about July 1st. And when I listen to it, to remind myself, am I still following the God who sees? Am I still pursuing the fullness of what the scripture says God is, who God is? Am I cultivating this life? Because remember, 
Enoch had no Bible. He had a walk with the Lord that was so intensely intimate and um, real to him that he was able to walk with God and simply be assumed into heaven. (laughs) We have no way of knowing exactly how that worked. But the Old Testament and the New Testament both say that he just went to the Lord. And he didn't. He never actually died, and he walked by faith, and that's a beautiful thing. And uh, it's something that uh, a life of deeper prayer is something that I would love to have and and want to strive more for this year. So I'm going to remind myself in six months' time on July 1st to listen to this podcast again and see if I uh, am still on that road. And I'll try to remember to report back. So God bless you, and I hope your year ahead is one filled with his grace and mercy in your life. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you were challenged and encouraged by what you heard today, please feel free to share it with any friends or family you like. You're welcome to email us at calebtheelectrician at gmail.com. That's calebtheelectrician at gmail.com. And remember to leave a comment at iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts.